Okay. <laughs> Where do we begin, right? So much has happened over the course of a few months. I took a while to put this episode together because I really wanted to be thoughtful about the things that I talked about because I don't want to oversaturate our current moment because our current moment is very heavy. It's already very heavy. So I don't want to make it even heavier by adding more than we need to focus on. If you haven't watched The Great Hack on Netflix, pause this right now and go give that a watch. And if you haven't read the Mueller report, and I get it, it's long, read a summary of the Mueller report from a nonpartisan media source. Or I did a thread on it on my Twitter. Read that, because I try to distill everything down to what we absolutely need to know. The way in which data is used in elections now, as well as what happened during the Mueller investigation and what came out of that investigation because the president has systematically tried to discredit what was uncovered during that investigation. And that investigation stems from the election of 2016. In the last episode, I painted the picture of how information was being taken and distorted and presented to the public by all of these various new media sources. Because in my first episode, I showed you how up until 9-11, Fox News was not a preeminent go-to place for your news. Only until after 9-11 did Fox become number one. And during the Obama years, Fox galvanized even more support because of their over-the-top opposition to the president. What I think most people, I mean, again, the world spins fast, right? Because we were in a period of great progress in the country. The man entered the office of the president with the nation losing 300,000 jobs per month. That's what the picture he walked into. It was a disaster. He left office with seven straight years of job growth. That's how much of a success this administration was. So not only did we end up exporting cars again. But he tried to expand access to health care to allow people who struggle with paying for health care the ability to have health care. Right? We restored our relationships around the world that were strained during the Bush administration. We created a nuclear treaty with Iran. An amazing accomplishment to turn an adversary into an eventual friend. We apologize for dropping nuclear bombs on Japan, which is, what, 70 years in the making? More? And we just take all these things for granted now. We take our progress on climate change for granted. 
the Paris Accord was a massive generational step. Was it enough? Was it all that we should do? Of course not, but it was a great step forward. And not to mention, after Sandy Hook in Newtown, Obama tried his best to get us to a common sense place with guns. Right? And all of these things are not appreciated, destroyed, or minimized now almost four years into this man's administration. But half of the country was being lied to. Half of the country's life was being distorted and presented to them as counter to what it actually was. He left office with seven years of consecutive job growth. You don't even have to dig into the details of that to understand why that presidency was a success for the nation. Not just for one side and not at the expense of another side. These eight years were a restorative time for American production. But if you watch Fox News, you were lied to about this. You were presented with this counter-narrative that these regulations were bad when they were the source of resurging American auto manufacturing. So this is how important where you get your news is, right? Because during these eight years, you wouldn't know all this was going on. You wouldn't know of the resurging economy. You wouldn't know of the productivity in the American car manufacturing industry if you watched Fox News. And I just think it's, it's a really, it's a good point for us to jump off to as we look into how data is used because if you watch Fox News as your primary source for news, you don't know what's going on. This game with data started with the Obama campaign in 2008. And what has happened as time has gone on and as technologies have sophisticated and as algorithms have matured is these systems have gotten so much more sophisticated and the great hack will dive into this for you so you understand it better than I'm explaining it to you. But it's really scary because it, it fundamentally kind of untethers what democracy is, right? Democracy is free, wide access to information and us making the best decisions based on that information. That's what democracy is. And when we are getting our emotions kind of met with these services, because it's basically all I see, these um, neuromarketing uh, political consulting companies as is just they're trying to provide a service to a buyer and they view your vote as Walmart views your dollar bill. We as citizens must be aware of this and must pump the brakes on clicking the email, tapping on the ad, giving in to these algorithms. In the election of 2016, this digital advertising game 
was entirely exploded and exploited, right? It exploded in that so many more niche anti-media companies and, and alternative media companies exists now. So they're coming out with their own stuff and flashy headlines and crazy stuff. And not to mention that foreign nations take note of this, right? Foreign nations take note of, wow, Americans aren't paying attention to, like, traditional news outlets. They're paying attention to these niche media companies. So we're going to flood the zone with crazy stuff, right? And that's what, uh, that's what Vladimir Putin designed an operation to do. Let's take a trip back to the summer of 2016 and let's actually peel it all the way back to when Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State 66 percent approval rating from all of Americans for her job performance as Secretary of State she was the most popular politician in the country when she entered the presidential race what happened the minute she entered the presidential race neuromarketing is used in a way that I will attach an article to this episode on my website so you can understand how what they really do is connect voters with candidates, right? This, the, these marketing companies exist now to literally monitor your Google searches or the things that you click on the most and they come up with the candidate that you would probably support and you get flooded with their digital advertisement it's really taken me years to appreciate and months to put together and the great hack will give you a really nice presentation about how this is being used against us there's a book called the loudest voice in the room there's also a showtime series that is based on this book just give that a watch or read that really gives you an idea of why Fox exists to begin with right um, Fox was never created to be this beacon of journalism. It was created to eat away at the traditional mainstream media's market share, right? What did Fox do with having the most eyeballs in the country? They don't take their jobs as seriously as news reporters. They take their jobs seriously as ratings maintainers. There's a big difference between news reporting and maintaining ratings, right? Um, what's good for ratings, right? What is good for ratings? What makes you buy something? What makes you click on something, right? What, what, what are the key attributes that drive us, right? The big ones. Violence, fights, gossip, and just general crazy shit, right? This stuff makes us click into things, drives our attention. Here's something that'll blow your mind. In 2012, Hillary Clinton was the most popular politician in America. 66% of the public viewed her favorably when she was doing her job as Secretary of State because mainly what she was doing was rebuilding the relationships the Bush administration strained and ruined by... Um, doing what they did in Iraq and at the UN. Do we remember what the media coverage was like in 2016? 
going back and looking at studies that were done based on the election coverage in 2016, it's truly remarkable to see why the needle moved in the way it did, right? Media coverage of both candidates were negative. It was constantly negative on both sides. But, it, but that narrative mainly followed Trump's campaign objective, right? Because when they reported on Hillary, they really focused on scandals involving the Clinton Foundation and her emails. But when they reported on Trump, it was mainly strictly immigration. The media on both sides are rooted very differently, right? On the right, media outlets focused ex almost exclusively on pro-Trump, highly partisan um, sources of information. On the left, media is rooted in more of a long-standing organizational structure steeped in tradition and practices of objective journalism. This difference in the way Americans experience the news is entirely new. This is an, this is an entirely 2016 phenomenon and it's something that we must get a handle on now or else we're gonna be little Tinker Tailor soldiers to these external forces for the rest of our lives and that's what I kinda wanna do this podcast to do is to really make us stop and see this right see it from the outside see it from a bird's eye view see it from how I see it but this difference in the way that Americans digest the news is an entirely new phenomenon Forever, up until 2016, Americans were split up between two competing visions of America. That's how my whole life has been lived, and that's what makes me so afraid for kids today, is that now, those who find themselves on the right of the political gravity in this country are essentially lied to and ginned up mainly strictly for profiteering and ideological purposes. It has absolutely nothing to do with informing the public, right? I mean, that's what's so scary about what's going on on the right. Fox and Trump really succeeded at framing the election in 2016. Coverage of Trump vastly outperformed coverage of Clinton. Networks gave Trump basically free airtime and it entirely overwhelmed the election cycle. What did Clinton's coverage focus on? mainly scandals, right? Trump's focused on his core issue, which was mainly immigration. This asymmetric media landscape is distinctly different than anything we've ever dealt with before as Americans. Prominent media on the left is well distributed across the center, the center left, and the left. On the right, though, prominent media is highly partisan and almost solely relies on the far right. That's what's so striking to see as just a person in their late 20s. And st I'm going to link studies to this podcast so you can, you can dive into the data yourself and see that social media really sees this divide become even more pronounced and partisan, right? I mean, Twitter is more partisan than the Internet. But Facebook is even more partisan than Twitter. Facebook is the single most partisan source of news. You can put news in quotes when you're looking at stuff on Facebook because it's just not news. It's, it's highly attributed cognitive information to the individual in which is clicking the mouse. And that's a very wordy sentence, but what it really means is 
when you watch the great hack you will understand more about why the stuff you see on Facebook is in front of your eyes Facebook solely reflects your own ideology this leaves out critical context of time and place that you're living in if you solely live in Facebook it's almost as if perceptually you live in your own world on the right Breitbart and Fox News were mainly the sources of information these guys primarily focused on negative stories that sometimes had little basis in reality but that picked up a ton of steam generating online traffic so they ran more and more and more of them this was entirely distinct to 2016 we didn't see this in 2012 or 2008 when you see something that's disproportionately popular on Facebook it's a strong indicator that it's highly partisan and unreliable information and that's a mind-blowing fact when I found out but it actually it's a really it's a really good tool to use because the things that you see solely on Facebook and nowhere else you can automatically throw out of your brain as not having any basis in reality websites that receive the most popularity on places like Facebook and Twitter is really your strongest indication that what you're looking at is not reliable information since the right side of our political spectrum is really more insulated today its media ecosystem tends to believe more conspiracies about Hillary right traditional media's framework um, were more accountable um, in that they have mechanisms built in to their news reporting such as fact-checking and watchdog groups but these elements had little effect on Americans who solely sit on the right and don't participate understanding mainstream facts on the left it's entirely different right people almost expect and assume this commitment to impartiality when you're presenting information so this stream of disinformation that we were all fed didn't really take hold on the left as much as it took hold on the right I think it's a fascinating fact to look into and it really brings us into the single biggest news story in the 2016 cycle that ended up making the single greatest impact on what people did when they entered the voting booth because these standard journalistic practices were successfully manipulated the hack on the DNC and by media and activists on the right who constantly injected anti-Clinton narrative post convention because here we had the most popular politician in the country running for president and then all of a sudden we had a massive breaking news story the DNC got hacked and WikiLeaks leaked the stolen information and what happened after this we're gonna dive into the actual hack but what happened in the election after this happened it was all anyone talked about there's your gravity right there that came in and changed the entire game what's really fascinating to look back on and see is how this monumental event really had no effect on people's perception we all thought that everyone was just gonna vote for her right we didn't really understand that 
even the people that were saying that they were going to vote for her when they were called on the phone and who participated in polls leading up to the election weren't telling the truth. Because of this constant drumbeat, this constant negative anti-Clinton narrative that was being presented on Fox, I mean, I just remember, I remember a whole week of them rerunning the same video clip of her uh, stumbling coming out of the SUV. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm as a, as a 25 year old or whatever at the time, thinking like, wow, like how, how exhausting must it be to have like, uh, basically a heat stroke in the middle of running for president and having the world of cameras around you constantly and them just running with this short 20 second clip of you stumbling out into a, an SUV, you know, and painting you as incapable of doing the job. You know, this is re literally what happened in the election and it's something that we have to really pause on and look at and realize we have to have a buffer zone because some information is just trash it's just not valuable information and when I dove back and looked at these studies done on the information that was disseminated in 2016 it's amazing to see just how much of this trash sits on the right side of the spectrum this drumbeat of her being anointed president should have been stopped after the hack because everyone was talking about this everyone was talking about her emails questioning her everything and the two and two were not put together in that this was a monumental thing to happen and it changed the entire course of the election emotions are powerful motivators for behavior most animals don't even use rational thought to drive their decisions or actions. They just use their emotions, right? And Americans were no different in 2016 because the indicators were there in the summer after this hack that the election was not going to turn out the way that people thought it was going to. Rage and not reason was really why people were intrigued by Trump. During the debates, he made people react in a more direct neural way than any of the other candidates did. Neuroscientists measured this. He elicited a deeper emotional reaction than any other candidate, including her. Eventually, I'm not sure if it was him or his people, grew to realize this. They really turned this visceral emotive reaction that they elicited in people, and they turned it into his entire political ideology strategy and identity many in the country feel angry afraid and threatened these feelings come from perceptions of terrorist attacks social disruption alienation and really just generally dysfunctional government right so we all have these feelings of anger and fear and that we're being threatened the polls were wrong because asking questions assumes an implicit rational explanation, right? This really explains why people said they were going to vote for Hillary, but then when they went into the booth, voted for Trump. And I know that, like, here we are in another election, right? And we're all getting anxious about the polls. But let me break down why the polls were so wrong in 2016, because it's really easy. People lied. People lied in 2016. People 
who said that they were going to vote for her went in the boat went in the booth and voted for him and this can really be explained by neuroscience because asking questions to someone assumes an implicit rational explanation right when we ask a question when I ask you how you're feeling I assume that you're gonna think about how you feel before you answer me people did not operate rationally in 2016 people did not vote rationally in 2016 they voted on how they felt right this really explains why most people just said they were going to vote for Hillary but then when they walked in the booth they pulled a lever for Trump because they did what they felt like they wanted to do maybe at the expense of knowing what they should do and this is why this election is so important and why Biden is such an important candidate for me because he allows these people who would never vote for a Bernie to vote for Joe and get the country back to where we need it to be because we can't go anywhere if we're not standing on our two legs now now we can finally dive in to why the needle moved so much right because without this one singular event I'm not sure that he wins the DNC hack what happened this is why I told you to read the Mueller report because it tells you exactly what happened so there's a former KGB arm in Russia that Putin uses it's called the Internet Research Agency you can do some research on this yourself and find out what it is what it does is it disseminates um, disinformation online to help Russia geopolitically economically and otherwise so these guys reached out to Roger Stone somewhere along the way and Roger Stone reached out to Don Jr. in the Trump campaign. Trump gave Don Jr. the thumbs up to go back to Stone and to ask for the stolen information, right? Who was the middleman between Russia and Roger Stone after Russia hacked the DNC and John Podesta's emails? Who was the middleman between Russia and an American Roger Stone? WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks was the middleman. It was presented as WikiLeaks hacked the DNC. WikiLeaks released John Podesta's emails when WikiLeaks was given the information by the Kremlin's IRA. Don Jr. was the point of contact between the Trump campaign and Roger Stone. And Roger Stone was the point of contact between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks. And WikiLeaks was the middleman between the Trump campaign and Russia. That's what happened. Now, that's the truth, right? That's not telling you that Russia hacked into the elections and pulled the levers for Trump and blah, 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 blah. But what I just told you, what the Mueller report spells out, is the single greatest invasion into American democracy that has ever happened in this country. We have never had a foreign nation actively successfully interfere in our election. Putin succeeded beyond his wildest dreams. Hillary Clinton was one of Vladimir Putin's biggest enemies. It was probably her strength and aggression. He feared her, as most men fear strong, 
opinionated, successful women. But what these guys accomplished, what Putin's Internet Research Agency accomplished in America, far surpassed Putin's wildest dreams. Because now, places like Fox looked like RT News in Russia. Pause this episode. Research. RT News. Tell me what that reminds you of. This entirely dominated any election conversation for the remainder of the 2016 cycle. And it was also the basis for the Mueller report. What's amazing to sit back and see is just how much of this they came up with on the fly. Right? Because they never... Trump never ran for president to be the president. This is well documented. You can read any of the books that have come out by people who have worked in that administration or in that campaign. I know personally of what his attitude was directly after Election Day. It's well documented. He wanted to compete with Fox News. That's what he wanted to do. He ran for president to start a TV network. His people, he, his wife, his kids, never in a million years, never in their wildest dreams did they expect to actually win the election. And I think now we can put win in quotes. The American public wasn't focused on the facts. The American public was focused... The American public was not focused on the challenges and experience, his misogyny, his callousness, the sheer unpreparedness he had for office, his lack of experience, his lack of knowledge, his lack of preparation, his lack of desire to even do the job. We didn't focus on any of that. Instead, we focused on emails. And okay. I remember election night very well. And I remember the unease I felt. I know people who physically emoted, right? Maybe not so much for a loss of her, but more for a loss for the country. We knew what was coming. We just didn't know it would be this bad. So here we are. He just got inaugurated. He just gave this incredibly disgusting, destructive, sad, angry, small, divisive inauguration speech. The administration was proceeding with tons of media coverage. And it was really, this news was dealt with at a ferocious speed. This was all Bannon's idea. If the public was engulfed in news every day, we'd have a hard time distinguishing what's real from what's really fake, right? Here we are. Enter the label fake news. This was used brilliantly as a means to deflect from any single news story that the president himself doesn't want to talk about. I mean, how brilliant is this, right? Why didn't Obama think of this, right? Why didn't any president think of this? These guys wasted no time gutting vital elements of law, destroying precedents. The majority of Republican voters watched Fox News, and Fox News, save for Shep Smith when he was on the network, Neil Cavuto or Chris Wallace, they simply aren't given the facts. Americans had no idea about the implications of the elements of law that these guys were eliminating. 
I mean, the areas of law cover immigration, migration, and refugee status. This has tremendously bad effects on, the, on our standing worldwide. And we've lost brilliant minds to Canada because of it. What's really sad is to see people who should be clamoring for an opportunity in America deciding to stay home because they don't feel wanted in the land of opportunity. Can you believe that? That's the true evil of this administration. And it's really not how we make anything great. It's how we prevent great people from coming into our country. But here it is, every day you heard fake news, fake news, fake news, witch hunt this, hoax that. The Mueller report was always in the news every day, especially after he fired Comey. After he fired Comey, it really invigorated the investigation. And this is what really pushed Rod Rosenstein to uh, volunteer to wear a, to wear a wire because we didn't we as the public didn't realize that we were how fast the train was heading off the track right and the implications of that high speed and massive amount of weight going entirely uncontrolled forward we as the public aren't primed to that information the president never once talked about the Mueller report he simply deflected or lied about it. Never once did Fox News cover the Mueller report. They only served their viewers with labels, talking points created by the administration to further affect perception and prevent people from actually understanding. And if you don't understand anything, you can't take action. Propaganda is defined as information of a biased or misleading nature. That's what propaganda is defined as. Spin is how you take a day's news and present it as to not be critical or damaging to one's own political ideology or objective. That's all Fox News is. Fox News was used by this administration as the host for their propaganda and the place where his associates went on to spin any day's news. The administration painted any outside media sources fake and solely leaned on Fox as a source of quote-unquote real information. This is only seen in places like Russia with RT News. I never thought I would see this as an American. We've never once been deprived of accurate information, say, for the run-up to the Iraq War. If we don't get accurate information, we can't do anything about it. The public is really starving for information, but really, a lot of us only get propaganda. We're used to getting news. We're used to learning something new every day. In my own opinion, it's really why a lot of us are angry, right? Because we know, we, and we subconsciously know that we're getting fucked with. But we just don't know how or why or where, right? And that's some of those questions I want to answer. Back to the Mueller report. Mueller exhausted all of his options looking to how to secure a criminal prosecution for a sitting president. He came away from the Office of Legal Counsel with the opinion that he could not, that you could not charge a sitting president with a crime. And so he concluded his investigation. What's so amazing is that within this report, there are English words written on a piece of paper that says, states clearly, quote, <clears throat> that states clearly, this report, quote, does not exonerate the president, end quote. But what did the attorney general do? What did the attorney general do the minute Mueller released his report? He withheld it. And rightfully... To redact portions for security reasons and I get that but he withheld the report really to spin it as exonerating the president that's what was so extraordinary about this time 
The president actually went on national television and declared that he was, quote, innocent and totally exonerated. Without the actual report, the public only had a three-page summary of what the attorney general summarized. When he released the summary, the summary failed to include critical elements of what Mueller found. <laughs> Namely, that there was foreign interference in our election at the behest of Trump. Mueller could not charge him because of the opinion of the OLC. Not because Trump didn't do anything wrong. But what did the president spend his next months doing? trying to discredit the investigation entirely by coming up with storylines to explain away all of the criminality. He's come up with a lie about why Flynn lied to the FBI. He's come up with a lie about why Stone lied. He's come up with a lie about why Manafort and Giuliani were paid by Ukraine. There's lies for everything if you keep up with it. And now, we have a president of the United States who just commuted the sentence of a man who lied on his behalf. That's called obstruction of justice. Again, Trump can be impeached again because of this move. Our rule of law has been degraded by the very top. My own aside on the Mueller report is that I think his only mistake was choosing to spare the children. Mueller could have absolutely indicted Don Jr. and chose not to because he didn't want to set a precedent of indicting a president's child. But really, I think we now know the bad precedent that was set, and it's allowing a rotten man like him to grab onto so much power. But because the Office of Legal Counsel had the opinion that they did about not being able to indict a sitting president, what the Mueller report ended up doing was laying the groundwork for this president's impeachment. But what happened? The president was caught trying to get yet another foreign country involved in our election. The president was busted by a whistleblower for asking Ukraine to help Trump politically. This triggered an impeachment investigation, which ultimately led to two charges of high crimes and misdemeanors, abuse of power and obstruction of justice. Abuse of power was cited as in the actual phone call with the president of Ukraine. Although there have been streams of evidence that have come out since from other interactions with other nations showing evidence of this abuse of power as well. Obstruction of justice was cited in the firing of James Comey, as well as in the blackout of any legal participation in honoring subpoenas or providing accurate testimony and allowing his associates full transparency during the Mueller investigation. What's quite astounding was the fact that the House voted to impeach him and the Senate voted to hear no evidence. How do you vote? How do you... The Senator's duty was to do impartial justice. How do you do impartial justice if you vote to hear no evidence? How on earth is hearing no evidence impartial justice? That's not impartial justice. That's choosing to be ignorant, right? That's ignorant justice not impartial justice. There was only one Republican senator that stood by the rule of law over partisan politics. His name is Mitt Romney. Fox and all of the other sources of propaganda framed this as a dangerous precedent to set, removing our first president for what Trump did, right? But I think now, months into a global pandemic, and after his misuse of the military, 
stomping on citizens' constitutional rights. And committing obstruction of justice again with commuting Roger Stone's sentence, I feel like we as the public are starting to now see where the bad precedent was set. And the bad precedent was set by Republican senators allowing him to stay in power. I never appreciated, until the start of this pandemic, just how outmatched by the job our current president finds himself to be. I guess Charlottesville was our first instance of him being outmatched, even intellectually outmatched. Because here he was standing and saying that there were good people on both sides, right? He was outmatched by the job intellectually from the very beginning. Because when you equate both sides, right, first of all, you have people on one side who are racist, then you have people on the other side who are standing up against racism. When you equate those two sides, what you really do intellectually is destroy Americans' perceptions. Because now, Americans' perceptions are utterly distilled down to dichotomies, right? You're either with me or against me. You're either good or bad. You're, you know, that's what he did in Charlottesville. And that's not even talking about the actual atrocity that occurred in that poor woman's life and why she was killed to begin with. That was our first sign that this man was just outmatched by the job that he has. But let's just, let's bring it all to a, a current moment. In February, and really early February, like first week of February, I felt, me personally, I went to bed and I felt like, I don't know why international travel is still happening. Like we had no flights coming in, coming in from China, but we had flights coming in from all other parts of the world. I never understood that. But what I really didn't understand was that the man who was in charge of these decisions was too busy watching cable news to read his daily briefings to understand that not only was a virus entering the country, but that Russia has placed a $1,000 bounty on each American soldier who the Taliban killed. He didn't know these things. He doesn't know these things. He knows them now because everyone yells at him about it. Really what this is, is an, it, it's, it's truly an unimaginable instance of dereliction of duty. And way too many people are way too quick to excuse this away or to minimize it or to pay no attention at all to it. And if we continue down that road, we're going to end up burning the house down. So not only was the single biggest news story during the election stolen information, but all of those links like Hillary Clinton pizza shop in DC runs childhood sex ring, you know, all that crazy shit, all foreign disinformation. And it's a really, I want to make the point and make us kind of sit and think about it because when we come across this stuff on the internet, we have to be smarter than this. We have to be more sophisticated than thinking that a career public servant would be molesting children, right? And that's not to say that there aren't out there, but we have to be smarter than accepting this salacious bullshit. That's the best I can come up with for describing what happened in 2016. If Trump didn't give his sons the green light 
to cooperate, then I wouldn't be so stringent in what I wanted Mueller to do. He was handcuffed with the president. He couldn't do anything with him. But he definitely should have gone after Don Jr. Because Don Jr. honestly needs a lesson to be taught to him. Because what I see him doing is he's just going to go into politics and do the exact same thing his dad did and just lie and try to see how much money he can make from people. I mean, to, to really appreciate just what the Trump family thinks of public service or thinks of us as people, you don't have to look too... You don't have to look further than the fact that they transitioned their own golf apparel store inside Trump Tower into being a presidential memorabilia shop, right? Because you're not supposed to be able to do that. You can't capitalize on being trusted with the public, you know. You can't, you shouldn't monotonize off of that trust, but the Trump family has. It's very different than post-career speeches or, uh, you know, being paid to be someone's spokesperson or a brand's name or whatever. You know, that's what former Secretary of States and former presidents have done forever. That's fine, in my opinion. You know, you've lived a life, you've, you have a breadth of experience that only you can provide and give insight to, so you kind of deserve that high um, pay. You know, because that information, that experience is invaluable. But what does Donald Trump and his family bring to public service besides corruption, lies, and the furthering of the self? You know, it's taken Trump a very long time to learn what he can get away with. I mean, he had, he's gone through three attorney generals, four chief of staffs. Um, I think like 70% of the cabinet that he was inaugurated with is no longer there for a reason. You know, it's career diplomats, career public servants, men of honor, women of honor. They don't want to work for this family because that's what it's turned into. He tried at first and then realized quickly that he didn't want to try and everyone else around him stopped trying, stopped wanting to try. They resigned. They quit. They did things to get fired because he's made a mockery of our White House. He's made a mockery of the rule of law. He's desecrated 244 years of our constitutional republic's history. As an American, as a, an American in their 20s, I'm furious and appalled. I'm furious at the damage and I'm appalled at the inaction of everyone else around me. I'm appalled by most of us buying into these key words, these bait terms, these talking points that are created to distract us from the facts at hand. These elections will just get more and more volatile, especially having a president that doesn't act on intelligence that we're getting invaded again. It's just going to get worse and worse unless we get really smart and sophisticated and start acknowledging that these truths are real, that the sky is blue that the world is round, you know, that this man is corrupt, and he has corrupted not only our entire government, but our entire people, our entire country, our entire idea of who we are, our relationships between one another. That's truly the lasting damage of this president. And I just hope that we don't get scared like we did in 2016 
we have to be smart we have to use rational thought we have to realize our duty and our responsibility coming this November.